Joshua Cribbs turns disaster into a score! Ugly, misformed little creature who has no purpose here, no meaning. I am a human being. Wash it down with one beer, two beers, three beers, a shot of whiskey, a margarita, and a bloody Mary. And I said, Stone Cold, why have one when you can have them both? Swung out and drill, deep right center, away back, gone for Tony. Irving and Curry, one on one. Irving puts it up. It's good. Kyrie Irving from downtown. Uh, Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton. Awful. How is she awful? Kate's freedom. And now, any given podcast with your hosts Brendan Ward and Ethan Simpson. and welcome back to any given podcast i am one of your co-hosts brendan ward sitting here next to my main man ethan simpson how are you doing pretty good ethan i can't complain we're here on another fantastic tuesday down in kent ohio at the lovely historic kent stage no place better to be on a tuesday no i promise can't beat it promise you All right, let's get into it. UFC 252 is over the weekend. It is historic for us because it is Cleveland's own, Valley View's own, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier, the third fight in their trilogy. But we'll get to that later. Let's open with the opening fight of the night. Marab Dvalishvili, the machine is what I'm going to call him from now on because I do not want to pronounce that again, gets the decision win over John Dodson. Really, the machine just dominated the fight throughout just couldn't really put Dobson away, Dodson away, but the entire fight was his. He, he controlled the pace. He controlled the action. He he did all of the above, and there's there's not really anything around that. Uh, so he's just in in a loaded bantamweight division. He's just some some guy that's just another good guy that's gonna give you five give you three to five rounds every single time uh, coming out. See, I I missed. Most of the prelims. Yeah. Um, I only caught the O'Malley and Stipe fight. It, it happens. It happens. So I'll go ahead and move on to the next one. Daniel Pineda TKOs Herbert Burns in round two. Burns came in as a favorite. Um, Pineda just was able to, again, be the guy that was the aggressor, control the fight, and then catching him in the second round for the TKO uh, to move himself up towards towards a title shot. He's not there yet. He's still got to get a couple more wins. But on to more exciting things and more kind of big picture things for the UFC with the next fight. Jarzino Rosenstrike, Biggie Boy, got a TKO victory over Junior Dos Santos. Junior Dos Santos is the former UFC heavyweight champion. During his heyday, one of the best there ever was in the business. However, lately he's been struggling with coming back or getting getting wins and things like that. Rosenstrike just looked to be the the bigger competitor uh he even looked to be the less conditioned competitor in ter- competitor in terms of car- cardio but just like Francis Naganu uh the guy who seemingly is next in line w- for for the UFC heavyweight championship is just one of those guys that when they catch you it's over yeah i was um i saw some clips from that on twitter yeah after the fact and like you were saying, I, he was throwing some big boy hits. They don't call him Biggie Boy for nothing. I know. Man. Sorry, he was throwing some Biggie Boy hits. Yeah, the Biggie Boy hits for sure. It was actually pretty entertaining. I thought that it would, knowing what Dos Santos has done in the last couple of fights, I wasn't that optimistic at, at, at how well this fight would go. And it ended up surprising me quite a bit just because Junior Dos Santos looked like he was back. And then all the first round, I would say that Dos Santos probably won the first round just based on his cardio, his conditioning, coming in as the leaner fighter, the more athletic fighter. But Rosenstrike caught him, and that was the end of it. So Biggie Boy gets a TKO victory over former champion Junior Dos Santos, puts himself right in the mix. Obviously, Naganu, John Jones, if he moves up, are ahead of him just because of who they are. Naganu has beaten everybody since he lost. And then John Jones... 
if he says he wants a title fight, he's going to get a darn title fight. Right. I mean, it's John Jones. Yeah. I'm not going to deny it. Um, his tweet last night was kind of strange. Uh, he said something. Go ahead and say what he said because I, I know I know kind of what he said, but I can't. He said that he was uh, he was waving. The, he got off the phone with the UFC, like the heads of the UFC, and he was waving his title or his title fight. He canceled that one pretty much. So, but he, he didn't deny that he was leaving the UFC. Oh yeah, I didn't see that one. I seen the one where he said that he got off uh, the phone with the UFC or something like that, and then that his move to heavyweight has been approved, and it's time to start gaining weight. Maybe that's maybe I misread it. That's probably what he meant. He was waving his old title fight to get into heavyweight. That well, makes more sense. In light heavyweight, the only person in line for that would be Daniel Cormier. Yeah. There's John Jones has beaten everyone else. I mean, you can give him the guy he beat a couple months ago. But even him, I mean, even though he he gave John Jones probably the biggest fight of anybody, including Cormier, even him, I don't I don't know if deserves another shot right right away. So light heavyweight still has a lot of stuff to figure out. So there's not necessarily a, an immediate competitor, although UFC does do the you, even though you are the champ in both divisions, they do strip you of one title. Yeah, they 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 did it with Connor. They did it with everybody. The reason uh, Usman won is Kamara Usman won the title is because it was an interim title, and then he beat the guy who really had it. And interim titles in UFC throw me off so much because there's so many different interim champions at every any given time, just because. A champion is like, nah, I want to take a year off. Okay, right. he could take a year off. He's afforded that. It's their, it's these right. guys's, it's these guys's turn to try to get back up in that conversation, to deserve a title shot. That's how it should be. You sit here yeah. as the champion and wait for somebody who willingly, and deserves a shot at your, at, at your title. I've never understood that the interim thing. It's like if he wants, like you said, if he wants to take a year off, he's deserved it. But don't say the interim champion. Yeah, he's your, like what? What does that even mean? Just say that he's trying to fight to get to the title fight. Yeah, you don't. To me, like even if it's your main event, you don't even need to call it an interim title fight. Call it a number one contender fight. Yeah. Just, just, just steal a little something from the WWE. Now, it's obviously scripted and stuff like that in the WWE, but steal that for sure. Let's have number one contender fights. There are a number one and a number two fighting to see who's the number one to go against the champion. That's something that happens, so I don't really get it. Uh, but it happens a lot. Whatever. Moving on, the co-main event of the evening, Sugar Sean O'Malley, who has been on fire lately, undefeated uh, since his return, undefeated in his professional UFC career at 12-0, takes on Marlon Vera. He did suffer a right leg injury in the fight, and it seemed to be severe. However, Tuesday a report came out that the the x-rays came back negative, so there's no fracture or break. However, it is so swollen that they do have to wait for an MRI. So you're likely looking at structural damage and stuff like that. And as a result of the leg injury, suffered a TKO loss in the first round to Cheeto Vera. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Going into that fight, he had that rainbow hair. I guess that's his thing. That's always yeah, been his thing. Yeah, he's had rainbow hair for a while. Yeah, but he added an extra stripe the, onto yeah, his hair, a red only, stripe. The only problem is that. He dyed his hair the color of the Ecuadorian flag, where Marlon is from, yeah. which probably threw gasoline on the fire of him already saying, like, this dude... He's a loudmouth. He's got this crazy hair. Now he's taking my country's flag and putting it on his head. Yeah, I'm sure it 100% pissed Vera off. And it, and within his own right, it should have. That's something, like, you don't take lightly. Like, a lot of people in UFC, they are fighting for their country. They take their flag out to every fight. Conor McGregor always is walking with a with a, with an Irish flag. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it's pretty much a big deal for them. And for him to do that is just... Absurd. I I I've, I like O'Malley. I don't think he's like I like the antics though. 
I think it. I, I, I mean, yeah, it adds. Uh, it's like a character. Yeah, it adds flair, and it's the reason Conor McGregor was so successful. Yeah. It adds flair, and he's just trying to do it in his own way. You overstepped and you lost. You gotta, you gotta take your beating. Now come back if you want to do it again. Go ahead and do it again. Just know you're gonna piss this guy off, and if you lose, you're gonna get criticized. Now, not too many people are gonna criticize him about this loss. It's a, it, it was a freak accident with the, with the injury. Not much else to that. So nobody is really gonna call him out on that. But I guess we'll see just how long he's out, depending on just exactly what happened. It did not look good though. So, Brendan, I saw a lot of people tweeting um, that that shouldn't be considered a loss because he rolled his ankle. A loss is a loss in yeah. the UFC. A loss is a loss. Anderson Silva didn't even lose, like, broke his leg, completely it snapped, snapped it, it like, went over around. the side of somebody. It went around the other dudes. And leg. the only reason that one got called is because he couldn't stand up. He still took the loss. Yeah. Just because you, you have an injury, it's something that you deal with. And a lot of times, it's something that a lot of fighters come into fights with anyways. Yeah. It's, it's not really that off. But never mind the O'Malley fight. The moment we've all been waiting for for a year now since Stipe Miocic finally won his title back last year from Daniel Cormier. The, the main event of the evening on Saturday, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier for the heavyweight title. It went about as good as the first three fights. Uh, I figured, I, I think I could have called a non-knockout in this fight. Uh, yeah. Just once so many, once guys get so much time in the ring together, you, you know what's coming. And they started talking about that in the fifth round. They really knew every, each other's offense and were able to combat it pretty well. Uh, the thing is, is I Stipe was able to go towards what he used more in the Francis Naganu fight, where look, I'm not gonna let you just straight up punch me. I'm gonna, I'm bigger than you, or Stipe is not bigger than Naganu, but he's bigger than. Cormier. I mean, height wise. Yeah, and he just basically he knew Naganu couldn't wrestle. Now Cormier can wrestle. The thing is, is Stipe is so much bigger than Cormier. It was hard for Cormier to get out of that, and that's what he went to. Because Cormier was the better striker in that fight. Yeah, so what things I took away from that fight was, yes, obviously DC knows how to wrestle. Yes. So Stipe knows that. Stipe was letting Cormier kind of uh, be the striker. Yeah. So Stipe kind of had his back to the fence most of the time. But Stipe, he has that 80-inch uh, reach. So 80-inch, right? Yeah. 80-inch reach. I had to double-check. Uh -huh. But, uh, yeah, so he was, like, he was, like, getting him, like, kind of keeping him back. And then when DC would, like, try to throw, like, a big uppercut, then Stipe would attack, which yeah. is a great, I mean, it's Stipe, almost like the rope-a-dope. It's actually pretty, pretty insane what Stipe has accomplished, considering he is not the best striker of UFC heavyweights. He is also not the best wrestler of all UFC heavyweights. He's just somewhere in the middle of both, and he uses that to his advantage. He uses it to pick his poison, like you said, and it was whenever DC would duck and come in, he would yeah. he would take advantage of that, just like DC would take advantage of when he would fake the single leg. Stipe kept biting on it, and DC's now two inches from his face just tagging him. Yeah, well... Here's the thing about Stipe. He's very intelligent, so he has, he has that fighter's yeah. instinct and brain. That's how he can win these matches, and that's why he is the greatest heavyweight champion of the UFC ever if he wins his next title match fight. No, he's the GOAT already. I know, but I mean, sorry, not if. When he wins his next title fight, then it'll be completely it'll be certified it'll be locked in locked in because Nagano is the only threat unless it's, unless he fights John Jones then just give it to him automatically because if he could beat John Jones he can beat Nagano no problem Jones is the only person I think is a legitimate threat to him so speaking of Stipe some of you at home might know this some of you might not but me and Brendan are actually very good friends with Stipe we spent at least three days a week for the last what year and a half 
hanging out in his hometown where he's a firefighter less than a mile down the road from his fire station. So we've gotten to know each other, uh, maybe not personally, but we're boys. Pretty close. We're boys. We're, we're pretty, we're, we're, we're boys. That's he knows where we went to school. I know where he works. So Yeah, we, we, we got that covered. Uh, I'm actually, we're going to reach out to him at some point. Have in to. the next week or two, and we see. Might have to go st- stop Steve, by the firehouse. Bro, Steve is great. I, I he might say yeah to us, right? Like just a small time podcast right now, but I could see Steve. Like, that's what I love about Steve compared to O'Malley. O'Malley has the flash and show, just like McGregor. But I like the way McGregor did it more than O'Malley. But Steve is just an honest, hardworking man. He turned down fights during the pandemic. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're still in a pandemic, but during the lockdown and stuff. Yeah. Because he wanted to stay at the fire station and help the people of Valley View. Yeah, that's why it's so much so long to get this rematch. Yeah, that's how much of a great, humble human being he is. He he won the UFC Heavyweight Championship on Saturday. He is currently at the Valley View Firehouse cleaning toilets on Tuesday. I love that they. I love that that's like the firehouse antics. They always make him clean the toilets after he wins the fight wearing his belt. That's just that's hilarious to me. But that's you know. Yeah. That's like uh, like football teams. It's it's, it's it's work camaraderie. It's that's what it is. It's those are his boys. Yeah. More than he, he he fights UFC one night every six months. Yeah. The rest of the time he's there in the firehouse with these guys. He don't need the money. He don't need any of it. He don't right. need to work. He right. said, "All he think about that. Imagine if he fully dedicated himself to just UFC." Yeah. I mean, and the matter of fact too is. He's been training with Miles Garrett all offseason. I had a buddy who was like, DC is going to win this. And I was like, why is that? And he's like, well, he's bigger and stronger. And I was like, well, one, DC's 5'11". Stipe's 6'4". And Stipe has been training with Miles Garrett. Like, one day they'll do UFC training. The next day they'll do football training. So not only is he training for UFC, he's also training like a defensive back would. I mean, the guy's just hats off to him. Absolutely. Cleveland's own Stipe Miocic wins the heavyweight title on Saturday. On to other Cleveland sports. Um, real fast, before we get into other Cleveland sports, uh, we have two things to say. Yes. Brendan, do you want to yes. say your thing and I'll say mine? We would just like to send a special uh, shout-out slash prayer to Matt Lodi of SI.com is what most people know him as. But for me, uh, a mentor, uh, for Ethan, a mentor, uh, a, a lot of things, a lot of partnerships could have happened with Matt Lodi if it weren't for this uh, pandemic. However, we just want to send a special prayer to him. Uh, he's currently fighting cancer. Uh, found out yesterday that he's not doing as, as great as he thought he would. So I'm not going to go too much more into it. It's his own personal information. If you know him, you know what's going on. Just a special shout-out to him. Matt, you're the, one of the strongest people we know. I, I know we talked a little bit earlier about what just what's going on and stuff like that. You got this, man. Just just stay strong. You've beat it before. Um, uh, unfortunately, these ugly things do come back, and I have no doubt in my mind that just you're the one of the strongest people I know, and you, you'll, you'll get through it, and I just hope that this small thing that I could say just brings brings light to your day to know that you've affected so many people even if like we haven't even met each other really but we've had conversations and we've discussed different things about writing for your website and things like that to where you could just tell the type of human you are and to get 500 comments on a on a post about what's going on just just people pouring their guts out and letting you know that they're going to pray for you it's something that should let you know just what effect you've had on this industry alone let alone just how many people are behind you and praying that you do well. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. We're all rooting for you, praying for you. Um, there's a lot of people that, if they were in your shoes, would have given up, but you have that drive and that fight. So, you know, in the words of the Grateful Dead, keep on trucking, man. Keep going. Um, you uh, actually offered me my, honestly, out of nowhere, I was recommended to you by one of our instructors at Ohio Media School, and you offered me an internship, like a great, like one of my dreams internships. You offered it to me, and unfortunately, due to 
the COVID virus and the shutdown and all that, it was not able to happen. But the mere fact that you offered me that internship and the fact that you offered me it for next year, I am grateful and we're rooting for you, man. Any given podcast is on your side. Yes. But moving on from less somber news, what else you got for me, my man? Sorry, just to uh, cut him off. Yes, less somber news. Um, officially, Brendan Ward will be presented Uh-oh. the best audio project of the 2019 class, night, Knights class, from OMS that we won. He, unfortunately, could not make it to our graduation. So on behalf of both of us, I had to accept it. Brendan... There you are. Uh, I mean, it's special. I, I didn't get to go to our graduation that first time just simply because I was out of town uh, with my sister's graduation in the Navy uh, and forgot it even came up, and it's something that I probably shouldn't have forgot came up. But to know that any given, uh, I mean, Diamond in the Rough won that Audio Nights Best Project for 2019, uh, and it's something that really based off of what we did um, just simply because we educated everyone on every single aspect of that from what was going on in the world of sports at that time every and all of that and just to be able to win it based off of knowing that we put most of the work into that project very exciting uh so glad i finally get presented it it's a good thing to do it on something that we do on our show so very glad that that happened but now i also sorry one second the butt on this guy is incredible. Yeah, Almost it's it's it, he, he baby got back. Baby got back. Baby got back. Uh, we'll move on from that. On to the Indians. As you know by now, because we talked about it last week. If you're an avid listener, or if you just open a phone or the internet at any point, you know Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesac both went out two weekends ago in Chicago while the Tribe were playing the White Sox. Last Friday, uh, they were scheduled to return to the team with that is how long they had to stay out. They even drove all the way to Detroit for the, for, the, for the club's meeting with the Tigers. However, after having an open meeting Friday night and it coming out Monday that reliever Oliver Perez threatened to opt out of the rest of the season if the two weren't sent away, the team decided to option both of them to the alternate training site in Columbus. Lake County. Lake County. Lake County, yes. Lake County. Um, It's just crazy to think that they would send two of their starting five pitchers down. Like, I know Plutko can step in, and I know uh, they could always do a bullpen guy for the fifth guy. But it's crazy to me to think that for one player who hasn't been on the team that long to, to opt out, considering he's 40 years old, and, yes, he has been pretty good this year for the Indians, that that was their breaking point it had to be more than just him I'm guessing that there was support on that same issue from Lindor or Ramirez or Santana or one of these bigger name guys that hold a little more weight in that locker room or even it was just Frank Kona's call just him being away from the team at the time and them just doing the BS that they were doing Uh, I could very well very much see that call also coming from that is Zach Plesek's Instagram live video essentially blaming the media for painting the wrong picture despite the fact that he actually did break code protocol and went out us us and the rest of the media are the people to blame because we painted it as the wrong thing he just went out with buddies hey but hey guy that's what we said we said you went out with buddies that was the problem how is it painting it maliciously first of all just when Frank Kona last week came out and said that they were at two stages of acceptance, mm-hmm. who did you think was the one that wasn't accepting it? Yeah. I did mean, you think you didn't think it was Plesak, right? You no. thought for sure it was Clevenger's ego that wasn't accepting that he was yeah. at fault. Yeah. I, I would have bet any money that it was Mike Clevenger not accepting it. Turns out it's Zach Plesak, and Clevenger is just eating that he eating his crow and realizing he did the wrong thing. Do Look, you, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, do you think the video had anything to do with the eventual option to the alternate training site? Well, here's the thing. Let me start at the beginning with Clevenger and Plesak. Plesak gets caught on camera. The MLB reports it to the 
president of baseball operations for the MLB. He then tells the Indians to send Plesak home. Clevenger comes to the rescue of Plesak in a post-game conference or a press conference, and then Clevenger has the cojones to board the plane with the other team members, and then while they're waiting to leave, they get notified that, yes, Clevenger was with Plesak. So now Clevenger and Plesak have to go back from Chicago to Cleveland, and then it comes out that Plesak does that six, what was it, six minutes and like 30 seconds? Yeah, it was long. It wasn't a short, just apology. He was saying that they went to dinner with some friends, went back to their friend's house, didn't do anything at their friend's house, but open up baseball cards and compare them. What? That's like the Marlins saying that those guys just went out in Atlanta and got milk. Here's the here's the thing. He also made the statement that it was only eight people and the gathering number is ten. You need to be under ten. No, for baseball, it's you need to not be in a gathering at all. You need to be in the darn darn team hotel. You want to gather with somebody? Gather with your teammates. Go to the darn lobby and hang out with Mike Clevenger. Right? You guys could have. I guarantee there was a hotel bar there if you guys wanted to go out and celebrate. Go to the hotel bar. I mean, you guys don't have to pitch in the next couple of days. I mean, what is it? Regular, your regular teacher, Terry Francona, was out, so you're going to act like he had a substitute back in elementary school? Right, and the fact that they disrespected not only the team by lying, but disrespected Sandy Alomar Jr., who is a legend in Cleveland. Uh, a, an Indians legend, man. And just, just, just the disrespect towards him, disrespect towards the team knowing everything. I'm just done with the two. I, Whatever happens with him, happens with him. That's why I'm with uh, not so much Perez, Oliver, because he hasn't been with the team that long. Like you said, there has to have been somebody else had to have said, look, I don't want these guys here. You know, they're screwing us over. They're and potentially not only putting us at risk, they're putting uh, the season at risk. And... Uh, Terry Francona even came out after he saw the IG video and said, I'm disappointed. You yeah, ever have your parents say, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed? Yeah, it, it's, it's, wor- it's worse. Yeah. It's, it's, it's worse. You don't want to disappoint people you love, and Terry Francona definitely loves him. So there's that. Also with the Tribe, dominant weekend over the weekend with against the Detroit Tigers in Detroit, extending their winning streak against the Tigers to 20 in a row. Shane Bieber continued to be himself Throughout this year, he is now like fourth on the list through five starts in strikeouts behind four Hall of Famers. I, I don't know their exact names. It's Nolan Ryan and Randy Johnson. And, <laughs> yeah. and the guys you could probably guess at this point. But my question out of this is, is this Pedro? Cy Young? Sorry, Pedro Martinez. I think he was on the list. Too. Yeah, Sorry, go something on like ahead. that. But my question from this is, now that we're nearly halfway through the season, is the Cy Young Shane Bieber's to lose? Absolutely, unless the MLB does the thing where they want Garrett Cole to win it or somebody like that. Other than that, it's definitely Shane Bieber's. I mean, how could it not be? He tied the record for most strikeouts on opening day in the MLB. And he's just been fire, absolute fire ever since. He's had one game where he looked human. Other than that, he looked unhittable, unstoppable, like a juggernaut. What, what other words can I use? He looked like a god. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, I love Kluber, but it, it makes me say Kluber who? Exactly. With, with him, him pretty much effectively being done for the season, it almost justifies the trade that Bieber has been able to step up even only one year after coming up and getting his all-star game MVP bid. Other news in baseball. Rookie Fernando Tatis Jr. for the San Diego Padres has been on fire lately. He continued that last night. The Padres were up 10-4 in the top of the eighth. However, on a 3-0 pitch with the bases loaded, instead of just taking the, taking the pitch, Tatis turns on one to right field, hits a grand slam. The fallout, the unwritten rules of baseball, are what are what are, is what at, is what's at play right now? Should have taken that pitch. No, you shouldn't have. Why, why take your? Why take the hottest hitter in baseball at this point in time, and just be like, yeah, don't swing. I'm gonna try and make this quick. 
the unwritten rules on baseball in baseball are uh, don't bang on trash cans to learn pitches. It's not don't swing at a pitch that you can hit. That's absolutely insane. That's like they're talking like little league baseball mercy rule type thing. It, that was my first thought coming out of it was like if you're gonna be this upset, give me a ten run mercy rule and let's just get it over with. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's just absolutely mind boggling that. They, they were like, oh, he shouldn't have hit that. That's like, uh. no, you want to talk about an unwritten rule that's not in baseball? Hey, how about when you're losing? Why don't you just take a knee to end the game instead of uh, making Miles Garrett hitch over the head with a helmet? I mean, whatever, baseball. Let's come up into the 21st century. What do you got for me, Ethan? I know you got something for me in terms of sponsorship. So, do you or anybody you know have a birthday coming up? Uh, quite a few, actually. Do you, does your dad enjoy, do you, does your dad or mother enjoy music, live music events? Do uh, they miss them? Very much so. Well, I got good news for you. Yeah? Yeah. KentStagePosters.com. That's KentStagePosters.com. Let me put that in my phone. Yeah. You can get any poster from the most recent shows at the Kent Stage since 2016. That's KentStagePosters.com. KentStagePosters.com. Go get the posters and follow it. We appreciate it. Check it out. You're, you're, you can't go wrong with memorabilia, and posters are one of the best you can get. You know me. I love memorabilia. Memorabilia is what it is. Just in poster form. One thing you can't buy, though, from KentStagePosters.com is this Any Given Podcast, or, sorry, Diamond in the Rough trophy. You can't buy that there. But other than that, it's all yours. All right. Now that we're back, let's go ahead and move on to football. Cleveland Brown started full squad practices on Friday. Coming in from that, Miles Garrick has a small hamstring issue. It doesn't seem too serious, according to Kevin Stefanski's press conference on Friday following the practice. In other news, J.C. Treader did go under, have a knee procedure, and we are just unsure just how long he'll be out. And... Stefanski would not go into detail just exactly what it was, even going far as to repeat himself, just saying that it's a, it's a, it was a knee procedure. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate with J.C. Treader. Um, obviously, he's the NFLPA president, but we, do, we have acquired more offensive linemen during the offseason. So it's not that he won't be missed, but it's at this point it's kind of next man up. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah. And in years past, our main problem with the Browns was our offensive line, and now we just have so many linemen that we can't really think of what to do with them. And so we're switching positions for him, trying to uh, work with it. Uh, it kind of sucks that he didn't – that Stefanski wouldn't say how long he would be out. I'm hoping – He'll at least be able to play at least like the first or the second half of the season. I, I think we'll get him. I think we'll get him the second half of the season for sure. I, I think it's probably a month thing, and he just doesn't want to say right now that he's like going to be out game one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that if he misses game one, odds are we don't see him till week three, just because if you miss game one. What are the odds you're going to do a t- four-day turnaround and play on a Thursday against the Bengals? Yeah, that is true. You don't need to rush him back against the Bengals. Even without him, I think you could beat that team, despite the fact that they have Joe Burrow at the helm now. Now, with Miles Garrett, they have said he just uh, tweaked it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was it just a tweak. There's, they say there's no cause for concern there. Uh, he should be back. He still hasn't practiced, practiced but the, uh, all, all points, all signs are pointing that he should be back sometime very soon. Miles has expressed that it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. It's one of those things in football. It's just the body is not used to moving the way it's had to move in the last two weeks. End of story. Even with all the training he's done, it's still not the same as being, you know, on the field in live game action. Being on the field is completely different. Just ask Nick Chubb, who in Monday – took a high hit from linebacker Mac Wilson in practice and is now in concussion protocol. Uh, first of all, I get that it's your first day in pads and things like that, and you do want to show out. And Mac Wilson, 
has to make that step forward this year so that he could solidify himself as one of the starters in that linebacking court, which is the glaring hole on that defense. Here's the thing. It's practice. Like, I get you want to practice like you play, but... Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're talking about practice? Not yes. a game. I'm talking Not about practice. Not a pra- game. I'm talking about practice, practice? Man. Talking about practice. Here's the thing. That's the thing. Not talking about a game. We're talking about practice. My thing is, is in practice, I don't know about you. Anytime I was in practice, it was always don't tackle the quarterback. Don't put people on. Try not to aggressively put people on the ground. These are your teammates. You don't want to take anybody out for a game that you might need them. Now, I'm not really worried that Nick Chubb's going to be out all the way till week one with this concussion. However, just a bonehead play that could have been avoided. Uh, without a doubt, there's no doubt in my mind that this 100% could have been avoided. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. A bonehead play. I'm not gonna, not gonna go crazy on Mac Wilson. Uh, however, just it, I know it seems to be we're just continue to report injury news. Mac Wilson on Tuesday went out, carted off the field in practice with an apparent knee injury. That's all we really know. There will be more developments on that later, in probably even the evening or the week. Uh, but just some major injuries that, unfortunately. Well, here's the thing. Like you were saying, I never put on pads. I never played football. But I know from baseball, you don't go all out because you could get injured. You could throw out your arm, anything like that. Yeah. Here's the thing. Football, completely different contact sport. Why is Mac Wilson hitting the starting running back as hard as he can. Here's a side note. On Sunday, he tweeted out, will not tolerate, and then in all caps, disrespect. So I don't know if he was talking about the team or he was trying to prove something on Monday because people are talking about him. I've heard nothing but good things from Browns fans about Mac Wilson. I personally like Mac Wilson. I wrote a whole article on how he was the steal of the draft last year. Yeah, so I, I don't know who's disrespecting him. or Why well, listen to the haters? You yeah. saw what happened, speaking of Miles Garrett, you saw what happened when people were saying that extremely rude and racist stuff to him. What did he do? He called him out. He just put it out on uh, Twitter. The one guy that called him the N-word was on, uh, he was on the Tennessee PGA Tour. Lost his job. Yep. Uh no disrespect will be tolerated. There's no no yeah. no no if hands or buts about that. The thing is, is don't go full 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 go in practice. You shouldn't be hitting your running back high. You shouldn't be hitting him as hard as you can. You shouldn't be taking him to the ground. Overall, you're here to learn plays and things like that and execute them. Now there are specific times where you are going full go in practice. Those are tackling drills, not not team drills. I feel like Mac Mac has to feel bad about obviously hitting Chubb like that. I know they're SEC rivals in college, but guess what? This ain't college. You guys oh, are getting paid. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that Mac Wilson has certain regrets with oh, yeah. the situation. No no way around that. Um, other news in football, the first major injury reported coming out of any NFL camp. Dallas Cowboys, my team, defensive tackle Gerald McCoy, who they recently signed in the offseason, ruptured his quad tendon on Monday early during practice. The video came out late Monday night uh, in, into Tuesday to where it, it actually almost looked like a freak accident. They were down in the trenches, and the guy barely touched him, and then you could see him stand up and then fall over. It, it, it just something like it gave out on him pretty much, it seems. Uh, development from that, Tuesday the Cowboys did cut him. Oh, I did uh, not see that. Just like an hour ago, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't really play any games down there in Dallas, huh? I, I mean, I thought he'd be still stay on the roster, but considering they were only paying, they weren't paying him that much. Uh, it was all fully guaranteed. I'm pretty sure he was like vet minimum type type thing. What, uh, when I hear ruptured, it makes me think like it exploded. It's pretty much what happened. Is like it, you rupture your spleen, like your yeah. spleen explodes. Yeah, it pretty much to- tore into two and just uh, like, like just pfft. blah. And I'm sure if there was a back view of the video, you could just watch it and his leg just 
kind of like how, Ooh. just ca- kind of like how Kevin Durant's injury happened in the and finals you could, where you, you could see, see it. Like, like you, boink, you saw it boink. I'm pretty sure you would have been able to see that if there was a close up of his injury. Uh, but yeah, uh, they cut him. Uh, obviously, they've got other talent at defensive tackle, signing Dontari Poe in the offseason as well, mm. uh, and then Antoine Woods, who depending on what comes of his arrest earlier this offseason. He, he had a very good year for the Cowboys last year prior to injury in the final two games. So speaking of um, injuries to your legs, James Gerald, hope you get better, buddy. <laughs> basketball. Basketball, basketball, basketball. The best time to be a basketball fan is right now. We are heading into the playoffs. The bubble seating games are over. The Suns, the Phoenix Suns, who nobody thought would be anything, come back, go 8-0 in the bubble just to not make the playoffs. Yeah, which is unfortunate. You know, they have those uh, those seven all-star players on their team. Um, they ran great 8-0, but it started with the you – know, that's one thing I didn't understand about the bubble. So you come in with the record you already had. But if you're balling out in the bubble, 8-0, why not just be like, all right, they're in, you know? It it could have been to where they came in in the first seven seeds, which didn't end up changing anyways. You were just locked. And then between the eight seeds, whoever played the best in the bubble, they could have did that. Unfortunately, they went away away from that. And that meant that the Grizzlies only really needed to win like two games to get into the play-in game. Obviously, the Blazers did the work and got there. I can't, I can't fault them for that. Uh, and then the play-in game on Saturday, the eight seed Portland Trailblazers, who, like I said, did the work and got in despite looking like they were a long shot to make it, were able to get in there. And then the Grizzlies, who somehow snuck a win on the final night of seeding games against the Spurs to end their streak of consecutive playoff years at, like, over 20. Uh, so that was a pretty historic moment as well. Just so discussing the seeding games, who do you think deserves to win bubble MVP? Ooh. Ooh. Um, for the overall bubble or for the playoffs? For the overall bubble. They're going to give a regular season bubble MVP award. Devin Booker? I mean... I mean, I can agree with you. I th- or I would, I would think Devin Booker or Dame, right? Yeah, uh, those are probably the two biggest options. I think Devin Booker probably deserves it just because of what he did with that team. Dame obviously has the Damian Lillard obviously has the better team around him. However, Booker um, took it, made his team eight. No, uh, gave him a shot when they were probably the least the least team that anybody thought would have a shot in making it at all or getting anywhere close. However, I do think that they'll give it to Damian Lillard just because uh, he was able to to have that three-game stretch at the end, 61-51-41, and will his team into that eight seed and then eventually put his team in the playoffs. Uh, that starts Tuesday night. Uh, that series, uh, now they're the eight seed playing the number one Lakers starting Tuesday night. Uh Time to go right into the playoffs, but let's start with uh, Monday's games uh, have already happened at at time of us recording that. Gordon Hayward uh, in that Boston-Philadelphia series suffered a right ankle injury. As you know, he had the really gruesome left ankle injury two years ago uh, while playing in Cleveland on opening night while while LeBron was still a Cleveland Cavalier. Uh, Screenshots from that, if you freeze frame that, it looks pretty similar to the same darn thing happened. I unfortunately was not watching that game at the time when he sent it over, and then he sent me the screenshot of it, and I asked him the question. I said, is he still wearing his shoe? It looked like his ankle looked like the sole of his foot coming out of the shoe. That's how it bent. It was yeah, it was, it was like a perfect 90-degree uh, angle almost. It was very disgusting, very uh, not good for him. Um, I hope he bounces back Well, because, I mean, Gordon Hayward is a fantastic player. To fight back from the first one and then for this to happen now, um, I texted you I thought his career was over. 
Um, developments from the injury say that it's not that serious. Uh, yes, he is going to be sidelined for four weeks. The Celtics announced it as a grade three right ankle sprain. Uh, if they make the Eastern Conference Finals, it's that's looking like when they have Gordon Hayward back. And even with, with that, uh, it's very possible that they do, being the three seed and having to face some lesser teams uh, afterwards, or they possibly could face Toronto coming up after that. And with them without Kawhi, that's a, that could be a toss-up as well. A very good series. Yeah. Uh, so it's possible for them to get in the Eastern Conference Finals and get Hayward back this year. Um, but four weeks out, if they don't win a series or two, his season is over, and it's something he needs to start thinking about his overall long-term health. Uh, two ankle injuries in four years. Uh, I, I truly hope he comes back because, like you said, he's a great player. He fought back from the first one where people didn't like Alex Smith in the NFL. People didn't think Gordon Hayward was going to ever walk again yeah. on that leg. Um, things like that. So it, it was just very scary to watch, and that's why I brought it to your attention as soon as it happened because it was like, this is big news, buddy. Yeah. Uh, if, if it really is as serious as it looked to me, it, it's big news. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and literally, I said, did his shoe fall off? Because yeah, I thought that was his. If, if you haven't seen the image, take a look at it. It's, it's, it's very, very scary. And I might even be able to throw it up here for you just to show you it. Uh, very, very scary image to, to look at and see just what it is. But on to the playoffs. Time to talk our winners and losers of the first round. We're going to go ahead and start in the East just simply because I want to start with the Milwaukee Bucks at the Orlando Magic. Already on Tuesday, the Bucks dropped game one. However, I think I'm pretty confident in saying that I still think the Bucks walk away with this series. The Magic, as the eight seed last year, won game one as well, and then we're out in five. Yeah, I think they... That might have been a hoax they pulled just because they're in Orlando, Disney. That's their sponsor. Disney owns ESPN. I, hey, I'm not saying anything, but yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not. I I'm not. Uh, you know, saying anything. I'm not accusing anybody, but I'm not checking in on conspiracies there either. But maybe, maybe. I mean, I guess it is technically a home game for them. Yeah. Uh, other series in uh, the East. You had Boston. Against Philadelphia Monday, Boston won game one. Who wins this series? I think it's the toughest one to call for me in the East. Uh, aside from that four and five Pacers Miami game, Miami series, just because both teams I think are pretty good. Uh, Boston Philadelphia also. However, Ben Simmons is done. That's what I, I was just about to say. That that's tough for me too because they don't have Gordon Hayward. Boston doesn't have Gordon Hayward. The uh, the 76ers don't have Ben Simmons. That's the only toss-up I really have of the of all the playoffs. Oh, overall, I think it, it maybe bears, Denver Utah is another toss-up for me. But overall, I think it barrels down to Boston still has Jalen Brown, mm. Jason Tatum, yeah, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart. They still have a squad, even though they're, lo- they're they lost arguably their best player in Gordon Hayward. So don't I, I think Boston will probably win that one. Toronto, Brooklyn, uh, the two against the seven. Brooklyn doesn't have Kyrie or Kevin Durant, obviously. Can Karis LeVert carry them to a series win against defending champions Toronto Raptors? No. (laughs) Easy. No. Yeah. Toronto's defense is just too good. Nick Nurse has them playing like a championship team, despite the loss of Kawhi Leonard after last year. Fred Van Vliet came back better than ever. Kyle Lowry has been better than ever. It's weird. They're almost addition by subtraction. They look like they're a better team this year than they were last year. And somehow, two years ago, they trade DeMar DeRozan. They get Kawhi Leonard, and they win a title. This year, they lose Kawhi Leonard, and they still somehow look like one of the most dominant defensive teams in the league. Yeah, that's I, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the Raptors, they it's almost like they didn't have Kawhi last year. Yeah, it, like, like they didn't lose Kawhi is what yeah, I meant. It's almost like they, they did not skip a beat, not one bit. No, because everybody, you know what, and that's probably the fire, that, like I said, the gasoline on the fire, because everybody was like, oh. It's over, they're done. Yeah, the Raptors are book done. Them, they're Book them for number one next year. Yeah, and then if I was a Raptors player, I'd be mad. 
That would put a fire in my stomach. Well, you've got perennial all-star Kyle Lowry. Pascal Siakam is no scrub. Sure, his first couple years he wasn't great, but now he's blossoming into a certified all-star, one of the best small forwards in the league. Yeah. They've got a good squad that plays together, and Brad Stevens uh, pretty much started that in Boston where you don't need to necessarily have the huge names to have a good team. Toronto with Nick Nurse seems to continue to follow that. They don't have the overall overwhelming superstar. Uh, They have Kemba Walker, who's a very good point guard. They have Jason Tatum, who's coming into his own. They have Marcus Smart, who knows his role and plays it very well. They have Jalen Brown, who's one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, Boston scares me, and we could very much see them in the Eastern Conference Finals. And we could also see Toronto in the NBA Finals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, for the East, my picks are for just winning out of the first round. Uh, Milwaukee, Miami, Boston, and Toronto. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on Milwaukee, Boston, and Toronto. I think the Pacers win this series. Yeah. I just think they've been playing lights out. TJ Warren's been unstoppable, and the Heat have just kind of been here. And, you know, it pains me still to say even spew out Miami Heat. I get it. That 08 or 09 13 was terrible. Yeah, I was not a fan of the Heat. But on to the West. Uh, Open up with yesterday's games. Denver against Utah. Uh, Donovan Mitchell poured in 57 points, but it still wasn't enough. Denver gets a 1-0 lead in the series after an overtime win where they pretty much just shut down the Utah Jazz. The, The final score, they ended up winning by like 10. Uh, Mm -hmm. It didn't even look close. You wonder why it was even in overtime. But Donovan Mitchell needs help, guys. And you're going to sit here and try to sell me that Rudy Gobert is one of the top big men in the league. You're going to tell me that Joe Inglis is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Uh, Prove it, because Donovan can't score 60 and lose a game. So I'm going to say something that's a little controversial. But look for Clarkson to hit some big-time shots during this series. He did. I know, but I mean, I mean, like, going on. Clarkson was, like, their only offense in that That's overtime period. Clarkson. It was ridiculous. The reason I said controversial is because when he was with the Cavs, he got when all he was those with the stupid Cavs, he tattoos. He hit a darn and, thing. Yeah. He was too busy getting tattoos and daydreaming about when he was with Kendall. His, his tenure in Cleveland was pretty much a vanity project. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. I think Denver probably wins that series. They just... Overall, Jamal Murray, Yusuf Nurkic, just think they have the better overall starting five bench players uh, depth. Uh, other other games that happened on Monday, the L.A. Clippers edged out a win against the Dallas Mavericks. This looked tight for a while, uh, and actually Dallas was leading for most of the game. Uh, in that game, Kristaps Porzingis came to the aid of Luka Doncic and got ejected pretty much immediately despite the fact that Morris – had his had his hand around his throat. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched that video today because they played it all over ESPN. It, it's been the talk of the town today. He literally was like... Yeah, he was just like, dude, stop. This is our best player. Yeah. Get, it, it's pretty much Kyrie stepping in for LeBron. LeBron stepping in for Kyrie. It was that type of thing. Something I never thought I'd seen ejection for. Nevertheless, it happened. And it obviously affected the Mavericks. They were not the same after that. This is where I go back to, like, Parks and Rec basketball. Like I said, Little League Baseball earlier. Yeah. That's like something you get ejected for in Little League is yeah. pushing a guy like yeah. that. If like, I, hey, play nice, hands to yourself. Yeah. It's a team sport. It's fun. Object a toddler. Don't, don't object a full-grown man. Right. Uh, Clippers took that game. I think this is going to be a seven-game series. I was, I was thinking the same. I, that's going to be another tough one for me. Uh, I'd really like to see Dallas win it, and I'm going to say they win it just because I don't want to say the Clippers win it. For some reason, I just don't want the Clippers to really be that successful in this in in the in the playoffs. Moving on to Tuesday night's matchups, the Houston Rockets at the Oklahoma City Thunder. Russell Westbrook is out of this game with a quad injury. Uh, it's unfortunate because was it ruptured? No, it was not ruptured. I think it's just strained. It's unfortunate though because that's one of the big storylines in this. Russell Westbrook in his first year outside of OKC has a chance to send them home in the first round. Chris Paul, who was traded away from Houston, has led OKC to the playoffs as the five seed, despite only having a .02% chance at the beginning of this year. 
Yeah. Um, obviously, the Rockets are going to win it. That's just yeah. a fact. Yeah. I mean, I, you can't. I, five games, OKC might get a chance to steal one. I just think that Rockets offense is too too potent. Uh, I like I like Steven Adams, and I like Chris Paul, but there's no way you're going up against the Beard and yeah. the, the rest of the Rockets. Yeah. I guess that's the best way to put it. The Rockets have too much. The the, the Rockets have too much. And on to the most threatening series to LeBron's first round streak, the Portland Trailblazers playing the one seed Los Angeles Lakers. The reason I said it the way I said it is because this is probably the toughest team LeBron has ever seen in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. um, I'm going Lakers on this. I mean... I still think the Lakers win. I'm not saying that. I'm just. But you get CJ and Dame on the same court together, like they. I mean, like they always do, obviously. Yeah. But in a high pressure situation like that, when they were counted out because of the eight seed. Yeah. I think they're gonna they're gonna ball, but it's gonna. I'm not saying they're going to seven, but it's gonna be a longer series. You could just you could just tell the tone in LeBron James' voice when he asked for when he was asked for a scouting report that he was really looking to that this series was was going to be a challenge it is a hundred percent he he went in their two guards are they have a two-headed monster end of story Yusuf Nurkic when you when you take your eyes off of him is going to take advantage of you they have a hall of famer in Melo who can explode at any time anyways the western conference I got Lakers Rockets Nuggets I'm going to call Mavericks because I want the Clippers to lose uh I can, I, I very much am probably going to eat crow next week's show because the, the Clippers are probably going to be done with that series by then. I'm going the Lake Show, Rockets, Jazz, and Clippers. All right. To finish out the show, my man, this I, day in sports history, what do you got for me? This day in sports history, August 19th. Um, 1951. One second. Was it 51? Yeah. All right. My apologies, guys. I was on the wrong page. This day in sports history, August 19th, 1951, ex-Cleveland Indians owner Bill Veck put in little person Eddie Gadel in a game for the St. Louis Browns, pinch hitting for the St. Louis Browns, standing at three feet seven inches tall. He was and still is the shortest person to ever play a game in Major League Baseball. He drew a walk and then was replaced by a pinch runner, but still, he is the shortest person to ever play a Major League Baseball game. A man has a 1,000 base percentage for his career. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Right. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Come on. I mean, originally back then, it was just a publicity stunt. It was actually almost a genius move to pretty much erase the strike zone to where this guy could only get thrown balls. Uh, obviously, it was a one-off. He only it only happened the one time, and for seventy, nearly seventy years at this point, just shy of well, it's sixty-nine years exactly because it's this day in sports history. I should <laughs> be able to do the darn math, Brendan. Uh, that record has stood, and I, I'm not sure I foresee it ever being broken. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen again. So, speaking of I Bill Veck. He plays baseball. <laughs> uh, I mean, Altuve's pretty close there, too. Yeah, uh, Altuve's getting pretty close, and I'm allowed to talk crap about him. So, uh, in 1946, Bill Veck became the owner of the Cleveland Indians. He immediately put the team's games on the radio. He also moved the team to Municipal Stadium from League Park because Municipal Stadium could hold more fans. Um, He also, he was the first one to sign Larry Doby, the first African-American to play in the uh, American League. So he broke that barrier. Um, He also signed Satchel Paige from the Negro Leagues. So he was running this, but he got divorced. And so his money was tied up in Cleveland so he had to trade the, or he had to sell the team so his wife couldn't get any of it. And then he bought the St. Louis Browns where he then a year later put Eddie Gadel in the game to record the shortest ever person in a game. 
All right, that's it, my man. Uh, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at ETH Simpson, C G O D. You can follow me on Instagram at ETH Simpson. You can follow me um, anywhere you want. Just don't get too close. I'm hopefully following you all the way to the top, my man. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at BWordCLE. Follow me on Instagram, B.Word52. You can follow the podcast at Podcast Given on Twitter, at Any Given Podcast, CLE on Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Any Given Podcast. As always, thank you very much for tuning in. You guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Stay blessed. God bless.